0: The Hawks just couldn't get it done on Sunday.
1: We knew that this game would be a physical, highly
0: intense game. And, you know, I don't don't think we matched that consistently. Welcome to the Hawks Report, the podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you the stories behind the score. I'm your host, Lauren Williams, the Hawks beat reporter here at the AJC. And of course, we're here today to talk about that game for result. And joining me today, we've got our friend Gabe Burns, who was here at State Farm Arena with us to, to watch everything that unfolded. But before we get too deep into that, if you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride.
1: Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein,
0: And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Here with us today, Gabe Burns, to talk about game four. Gabe, what'd you think?
1: I think, you know, we're watching this series, this is the exact same team we watched for months, right? Uh, they're showing us really who we are, there was no reason to believe anything else, and mm-hmm. we're just seeing a team that is pretty much going exactly as expected.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough when again you watch a team compete as hard as they did on Friday night win it pretty convincingly i would say and then you see the start that they had to me i think that's what did them in they didn't get off on the right foot and we've said it time and time again that whenever this team doesn't doesn't start either the first quarter or or any of its quarters on the right foot it just goes downhill from there so for you, what would you say was the moment that maybe you realized that this was not gonna be their night?
1: It was the first quarter, and it does go back to the start because you're seeing a difference between a championship caliber team and a 500 team when, when you're looking at this. Because if you're a team with aspirations of going deep into the playoffs, you can't come out like that. And the guy said it, but I mean, they're aware of it, of course. It's mm-hmm. easy to say after the fact, but you knew you were gonna get the Celtics best tonight. You knew they were gonna come out with a lot mm-hmm. of energy. They had a down game. You knew that wasn't going to happen again. And they just, they didn't look prepared for it. They kind of took a punch and they wilted. And to their credit, in the second half, they came back, but they never, they never had enough to really, I'll be honest, other than when they were within three for that just a few seconds before Marcus Smart's dunk at the end mm-hmm. of the third, it just never really felt like, no matter how close they were getting, that mm-hmm. the Celtics were in real danger. And I think that that says a lot about the Hawks because it just shows a lack of belief that this team is gonna piece together enough of a good stretch Mm -hmm. to actually come back and win this game. And it shows more of a trust in a team like Boston who, you know, if you're not picking, if you weren't picking Milwaukee to come out of the East, you were probably picking them. So Mm -hmm. this is the second straight year that we're looking at a team that is gonna get knocked out in round one and has a lot of questions to answer in the off season and this year they already made their big move last off season they're in pick debt. Mm -hmm. you know they've got some contracts that obviously they would love to move and I'm sure we'll get into John Collins but just given where this team is I mean it's kind of there's talent here it's not barren but it is a little bit of a dark place given Mm -hmm. what the resources you've already poured into this and the results you're seeing.
0: So as far as the results that we're seeing and just how they've started and again we talk about the difference between a team that's expected to make a, a very deep run into the playoffs if not be the NBA champion at the end of the season versus a team that has struggled throughout this year, gone above to the 500, back below, back up, and just been very inconsistent. Would you say, Gabe, that that is a sign of this team's maturity lack of maturity lack of playoff experience uh what would you attribute that inconsistency that we've been th- seeing throughout this season to
1: it's part of it is just the cohesion of the team i think but yeah i mean certainly immaturity is a part of it because they've told us it is right mm-hmm. when after night was fired john collins told us there needed to be changes in the way that guys really thought, the Mm -hmm. way that they approached things. And he wasn't naming names, but you can figure some of them out. And, you know, it it just kind of spreads throughout. Mm -hmm. And it does feel like the team really lacks the proper leadership. Mm -hmm. And I know you bring in Quinn, and I think we all agree Quinn is a great coach, but Mm -hmm. he just got here. And there was Mm -hmm. only so much that he could have done. There wasn't going to be some miraculous turnaround. And you're playing Boston, who – is just flat out better than you in pretty much mm-hmm. every way, and and you have even like a guy like Horford, a veteran who's who's going to make you know he had some big rebounds at the end tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas you look at the Hawks and John Collins, you're getting you're getting nothing, mm-hmm. and you've got a guy like Sadiq Bay who's a bit inconsistent, mm-hmm. and you, again a Sam Hauser on the Celtics. There's just there's a big big difference. That's beyond just the Trae Young and DeJounte's and Jalen's and mm-hmm. Tate. Like, there's just a big difference there in just the depth, the leadership, and the way these guys are really meshing together.
0: So you've brought up John, John Collins a few times now in our recording of this. And I'm, it's just – it's heartbreaking watching this player who you know is so capable of doing so much more struggle so much in this series, what would you say, and, and I have my answer, and I'll, I'll say it after you, but what would you say is the reason, or what have you observed might be the reason behind his struggle? Because you look at his stats, he, he played 25 minutes on Sunday night, he was one for nine, one of five from three, so his lone shot made was a three-pointer, and he took five attempts. Uh, and then had two free throws, five rebounds, one assist, one block shot. He was a minus four, had five points. What did you observe might be the reason behind his struggle?
1: His fit and his usage, we've, we've talked about both. And they're both just, the fit is weird. And the usage is just not the way he should be used, right? Mm-hmm. So... I don't think it would surprise anyone if he's moved and he has some success at his next stop. Mm-hmm. Now, whether he lives up to the contract's is a different thing, but, I mean, this is still a useful, solid player. Mm-hmm. And I really – I'll be honest. I think you're a better person to answer this because you're on the ground, you're here all the time, and so you have a better feel for it. Mm-hmm. But I just – I look at a guy who – I don't want to speak for him mentally, mm-hmm. but it just seems like there's just – I think that a fresh start would do him some good.
0: I I would agree, and I have said this, I think, on the pod before, that I think there is a little bit of a redundancy right now with having both John Collins and Clint Capella just because they're both that lob threat for Trey. And how many times over the course of the regular season have we seen – Collins and Capella kind of fighting a little bit for some of that position inside the paint, down low in the post. Sometimes we've seen Trey looking to to John and and the ball ends up going to Clint for that lob and he, he goes up for the dunk. So it just seems like the Hawks do need to evaluate which one of those guys they want to keep. And I wouldn't, like you said, wouldn't be surprised if Capella's the one that's still here in October when the when next regular season starts. So um, as far as kind of like the mental aspect of it, I, I can't speak for what John Collins is thinking because I'm not John Collins, but I can only say what I observed. And I remember going into the locker room after game two in Boston and it, I don't know, maybe this is just the empathetic side in me, but it just broke my heart looking at him sitting by his locker, just upset or at least he looked upset. And to me that shows that obviously he cares about how he helps this team, how this team does. He cares about the results. And, and so I have to wonder if there's a mixture of knowing you know, what his contract is and that he's not necessarily living up to it and it's playing some mind tricks on it. But again, I'm not John Collins. I can't answer that, I can only speculate. but. I think one of the things that we have talked about on this one, and I think Sarah and I mentioned it in the last episode, was that we we needed to see either Collins or DeAndre Hunter be the one that kind of goes off and I guess gives some support in the starting five to, to Trey and DeJounte after that game three win. But Hunter was the guy that actually did that. What What did you see from him that kind of maybe gave you some confidence that maybe they're like Quinn is finally unlocking what DeAndre Hunter is capable of doing?
1: I mean we'll see because we saw him go off against Miami in a game last year Mm -hmm. so uh, you saw confidence you saw aggression I mean we'll see he's been a maddening player and that's another (laughs) contract that's going to generate and already has a lot of talk here right about What's going to be the ceiling of this player? Mm-hmm. Can he get there? Because he is, and we talked a little about this uh, with Michael Cunningham during the trade deadline mm-hmm. pod too, about he's one of those guys that can really swing the future of this team if he becomes what mm-hmm. you think he can.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And because he's underwhelmed, because you're paying him what you are, it's it's a different situation. But there's still some hope there, right? Yeah. That maybe there's a little more. And I, I do want to add one more thing on Collins. Yeah, please. You know, when um, he's been in trade rumors for so long, mm-hmm. right? And basically, if Sarver owned the Suns one more day, he'd be in Phoenix, and <laughs> given how the reports there, mm-hmm. so. But the way he's handled everything, the way he's, he handled it, I mean, he deserves so much credit for that because so many guys would not be disprofessional about mm-hmm. it. And you honestly wouldn't blame them, no. uh, especially in his case, given what – and I, look, he's paid the money and everything. I get it. But,
0: he's still uh, a human being.
1: Yeah. He deserves – so he does deserve a lot of credit for just the way he's handled things. And I think everybody – you know, if this is – if up com- if this next game is his last game here, I think a lot of people will be rooting for his success wherever he ends up.
0: I mean, he's given the Hawks organization so much, especially, you know, through those first two years under the, you know, between Budenhoser then Lloyd Pierce. He's gone through a lot <laughs> with this organization. And like you said, he's handled every thing that's been thrown at him with grace, which not a lot of people in this league can do. And I think that's just a testament to... The leadership that he has the potential of unlocking on this team as a veteran, uh, if he's still here next fall. But yeah, I think a lot of people will root for for John's success however things shake out. I don't think I don't think any Hawks fan is necessarily frustrated with John the person. I think a lot of Fox fans' aggression and, and frustration comes down to just the fact that he's just not giving this team what it needs and and maybe that's a sign that his tenure in atlanta has run its course
1: and if you want a picture of how this series is going we've spent half this podcast talking about off-season trades and whatnot (laughs) so that that really sums up uh, exactly how we're viewing this series because i i think we would uh we would probably all be surprised if there's another game here
0: i would say that after game three there was a little bit more optimism for me that maybe they could pull off another game um, and and force a game six but it's just like you said it's we this team has shown us who it is or what it is time and time again and what's the saying when someone shows you who you are believe them the first time (laughs) so um, but yeah I think that this team does have to continue matching Boston's physicality, and both DeAndre Hunter and Quinn Snyder talked about how this team just didn't come out matching that, and here's what Quinn Snyder had to say about why they weren't able to do that. If
1: we're, we can, sometimes you have to kind of feel that on a, on a deeper level, um, as I said, I, I think we, that wasn't a surprise, um, and again, you know, I thought we, we raised our level, um, but it was, you know, they're a good team, and you know, it makes it makes it difficult um, if you don't play the whole forty eight minutes that way. I and mean, this is, you know, playoff basketball. And again, I'm I, we'll, we'll head north and and see if we can, you know, we can can get one.
0: So yeah, I think the other thing is that sometimes can be. A little bit frustrating about this team is just you talked about them pulling the game within three at the end of that third quarter before that Marcus Smart dunk but when they came out in the fourth quarter and and Quinn said it himself so many times that they would start to get shots, start generating offense but they weren't getting stops and that's why they weren't getting over the hump when you think about what this team might need to do in game five for them to have some success where does where on the defensive end does that start who does it start with does it start with deandre does it start with clint capella and john collins like what can they do on that end of the floor to give themselves maybe some hope at at pulling off a win
1: they have have they not given up so many layups and dunks doesn't it feel like every time down I mean if it's not Tatum hitting Mm -hmm. a contested three they're just getting layups and dunks I mean Jalen Brown yeah it's just this team just needs it needs to have a better presence Mm -hmm. under the rim and whoever is capable of that you'd like to see obviously Capella but I mean it's been It feels like it's been so easy for Boston at points. You brought up that fourth quarter. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, they score 34. They score 34 in the third as well, but they score 34 in the fourth quarter. Boston scores 37. Yeah. So it's like, you know, even when you're putting, and that's, I mean, that's why this team was 41 and 41, but Mm -hmm. you're putting together something offensively finally. You can't get stops on the other end. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's always something, and that's just where the team is.
0: I think to the communication is gonna have to be a lot better in in game four, or excuse me, game five, just because one of the reasons why the paint was so so open for Boston is that you'd have guys like Tatum or Smart or Horford pulling the bigs out of the paint, John or Clint, and then you end up having a guy like Trey or DeJounte or, bogey in the paint matched up against a guy like Robert Williams or if it's not Al Horford pulling out one of the bigs it's like him cutting in and then finding Williams for an easy deuce so it's just the communication on the defensive end when especially when things are going wrong for the Hawks it just seems to disappear.
1: And was that not the case, too, on Smart's dunk at the end of yes. the third quarter? I mean, Wide that was, open lane. <laughs> Bay was supposed to yeah. pick him up, I believe. So, I mean, that right there, I thought, honestly, I, th- I thought that was kind of a big moment. You get it to three, mm-hmm. and I mean, that was about the loudest this place was. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, It's probably it going to be, it looks like it's going to be a three-point game mm-hmm. heading in the fourth, and Smart just straight it easy, and then it's five, and you know. But I, I, mean, that was that was kind of. I thought that was a big moment. Mm-hmm. Like if you believe in momentum and that kind of thing, I, I just thought that was a big moment for Boston to just have that there, and because that when as soon as it got to three, and he hit that deep three, mm-hmm. and you're thinking maybe there really could be something here. But mm-hmm. I mean, that right there was a perfect example of a defensive
0: miscommunication. For sure, we'll talk more about Game Four and what we should be looking out for in Game Five, but. This is the Hawk Report from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Hip hop is a product of black people, it's a product of black song. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So
1: subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash Unapologetically, A-T-L.
0: Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I wanted to take this time to thank everyone who has subscribed to the AJC and AJC.com. It's what makes all of this possible. If you haven't joined our community yet, we have a special deal available right now for listeners to this podcast. You can get unlimited digital access to everything that AJC and AJC.com has to offer for the next three months for just 99 cents. That's all of our stories on AJC, our terrific e-paper, and all of our newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from legendary columnist Mark Bradley. That's just 99 cents for the next three months, and you can take advantage of this offer by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast, so you always know what's really going on. Okay, so Gabe. A huge thing (laughs) that we have to think about heading into game five is something that didn't even happen in the game in game four and that was DeJounte Murray making contact with an official heading to the locker room after the final buzzer did you happen to see that live or were you like the rest of us inside on social media
1: yeah I saw it on social media and that could be I mean that could be really bad news right Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a precedent for suspension there Mm -hmm. I mean he could certainly be He will be fine. Mm -hmm. I think the question is is just whether he'll be suspended.
0: So if the Hawks don't have DeJounte Murray for game five, how much? How much trouble are <laughs> <They're>, they in?
1: <laughs> well, they're in trouble with if they have not yeah. So uh, without him, yeah, it's just it's just going to make an uphill climb even steeper. And well, they don't need to be they don't need to be short anybody right now. It's going to. I mean, it's, let's be frank. It's going to take a miracle for mm-hmm. them to pull anything off here. So
0: yeah it it wasn't it wasn't great. So um, for those who haven't seen what happened, you know, at the end of the. <laughs> at the end of the game DeJounte was walking off the court and he made contact with official jedimina's Petritis I think that's right mind you Jason Tatum had made a f- made contact with the same official earlier in the game following a foul that ended up being ruled flagrant one on Trey Young and of course I, I, I think we can anticipate that Tatum will also be fined something. The difference between what happened with Tatum and what happened with DeJounte Murray is that at least from the video, it seemed like he sought Petritus out after the game versus what happened with Tatum. It seemed like it was an in the moment, heat of the moment, get off me gesture. Of course, I still think there's precedent for Tatum to be fined for that because the league just has a very big no-no policy on making contact with officials, intimidating officials, all of that sort of stuff. But with, with Murray, I think it just looked a lot worse. And when you couple it with the fact that it has been going um, or has been blown bigger by people talking about it, other outlets picking it up, yeah, it just it's it puts puts him in a bad position and of course we'll see what the league does but I mean just
1: not great yeah no i mean it was a bad look you can't let your emotions get the best of you in that situation i mean we say that kind of stuff all the time how many times this playoffs have we seen something some incident where emotions have gotten the best out of you? it feels mm-hmm. like it's been every basically every game right yeah. i mean man it feels like there's been so many uh but we'll see that's why you know uh, you'll get the opportunity uh you and michael cunningham are going to boston and you guys will have the opportunity to talk with him so
0: this just in Her Tim Bontemps of ESPN, the NBA, is investigating Hawks guard DeJounte Murray's actions toward officials at the end of game four on Sunday night. Also, I must add, when you look at the video, it does look like he was talking to someone else. I don't know if that was another official or if it was a member of the Celtics organization, but it is noticeable that he had to be escorted off the court or at least held back by teammates and and hawk security which i don't think helps his case.
1: No, i mean we don't we don't have the whole picture and we you're don't. not going to get the whole picture from, you know, a clip on social media, so we'll see what
0: happens. For sure. So, of course, that does put an even bigger cloud on the hawks heading into game 5, but what can they do to make things go right for them when they face the Celtics on Tuesday?
1: Well, it's really everything that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. It's uh, First of all, I'm looking at how they're going to start. You can't, especially being in Boston, if they fall in a hole early, I, I, you know, yeah. we know how it's probably going to go. So I'm looking at Really, you know, they threw around the word intensity. What focus? Whatever word you want to use. How are they going to start? Are they going to come out and Mm -hmm. look like a team that feels like they have a chance, Mm -hmm. or are they just going to say one, two, three, Cancun?
0: Yeah, basically.
1: (laughs) Basically. So that's what I'm looking at. The communication on defense. And you're gonna, you know, if it's. You're gonna see how hard guys are going. You're, mm-hmm. you're gonna see kind of the spirit of the team, as corny yeah. as that sounds, mm-hmm. and you know, really how much they believe that they have a shot here.
0: Yeah, you definitely wanna see connected basketball. I think that's one of the things that they've struggled with throughout the season. And it's, it's just one of those things where that's the difference between the Hawks and the Celtics is that the, the Celtics are just more connected as a team and of course that does help that they, it helps that they've played with each other in situations like this for so much. Um, they have so much more experience in this, but the, as you said so many times, the Hawks are capable because they do have the talent that can, that can match up against the Celtics. But if it's, you know, Tuesday is the final game of the season for the Hawks, what would it take for you to see them be able to get to that next level that they've struggled to get to for the past couple of years.
1: Gosh, that, that is so hard to answer because there's just so many questions. Like one, you don't know. You don't know what's gonna happen with John Collins. Mm-hmm. You don't know if that contract is even movable. Are you gonna mm-hmm. swap for another bad contract? Uh, the DeJounte thing is gonna hang over this franchise until he's either gone or he's extended. Mm-hmm. And you've gotta, are, they go, are those two gonna work together? Mm-hmm. Quinn, that makes me feel a little more optimistic. Him, you know, after an offseason, a full season, that that is reason alone, mm-hmm. I think, for if you're a Hawks fan, to say, well, at least we've got that going for us. We've got a good coach here who's, yep. you know. So that's a reason you look at a guy like Sadiq Bey, Jalen There's There's young guys here mm-hmm. that certainly there will be some internal improvement. But as far as taking the next step, I mean, it does start with the young guy's improvement. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean – it's hard to answer until I know what's going on with Dejounte. Is mm-hmm. this going to be a long-term partnership? And frankly, the Hawks have to ask, too, like, if we make it one, what's our ceiling here? Because you make this trade for this guy, we don't know that he wants to be here, but at the same time, the team has to say, if I mean. we
0: can't cut our losses after giving up three first-round picks.
1: Yeah, and, you know, the the Trey, I know fans don't want to hear it, but the trade rumors are going to be out there if it's by him, if, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. People are gonna be talking about it. Even if it's, there's yeah. not much to it, it's going to be a conversation point because mm-hmm. we already, we've already seen the lead in. We know how this stuff works in this league now. So there's so many questions. So when we talk about the next step, I mean, I don't envy their position because no. it's basically impossible to answer. And the yeah. East is just gonna keep getting better too. So
0: yep, Not to mention the West continues to be best, yeah. as they say. Yeah,
1: so (laughs) uh, so we'll. I mean, we'll see. It's going to be. I I do think it's going to be one of the most fascinating off, maybe the most fascinating off season in Mm -hmm. team history. So we'll see how they kind of if they rearrange the deck chairs or if they do something drastic like even trade one of their guards. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll be here watching. This is Lauren Williams. I'm joined by Gabe Burns, and we'll be back, of course, on Wednesday to recap game five maybe the last podcast of the of the season who knows but thank you for joining us this is the hawks report from the atlanta journal constitution